In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 122nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title the 122nd episode, How the McGarry Blog Came to Life. It's been controversial, uh, a lot of stuff out there on social media, even a columnist in Seattle throwing stones across the country at your boy, D. Orlando Ledbetter. We were getting ready for the draft. We, we, we go to the combine, didn't go to the senior bowl this year because... Uh, the uh, Super Bowl was in Atlanta. It was a little uh, overlap and duties and couldn't get down to Mobile uh, after all of that work. But we gather information on all of the prospects that are there and some that are from my area. We attend the pro days around here. We was Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Didn't go to South Carolina this year. Uh, but... Do a good job trying to get you all the information of guys going to the NFL draft and guys who might be coming to Atlanta. So, McGarry was on our radar. He was one player we had a lot on. we did uh, his. We had his transcript from the combine. Our good friend John McClain of the Houston Chronicle did a story on him chronicling his life's hardships. The lost farm and the burnt down RV and uh, all, all that that went, went into that story. We knew the Falcons were scouting him. We did a Falcons draft board blog with McGarry on there and five questions with him from the combine transcript. So, you know, when uh, he got drafted in the first round, you know, we uh, we had our uh, scouting reports. We got about two thousand, who two two thousand pages of different things on uh, players and so forth, and broken down into uh, different uh, positions, numbers, and all kinds of stuff. Got 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 a good file for the draft here, and that's where we were able to bring you the five part series. On the Falcons' needs and uh, other stories about Kyler Murray, Rock Yassin, uh, Falcons draft board. We have something on John Kaminsky, who was also drafted by the Falcons. So, you know, Falcons make their pick. They trade, they trade up into the first round to take the fifth best tackle on several boards. Uh, and, uh, you know, they took the uh, second best guard, number one. So, and the Falcons have traditionally not drafted linemen well. So, you know, Cody Ford was considered the top guard. Chris Lindstrom was second. And then with the tackles, uh, Dillard, Jawan Taylor, Craig Little, and Jonah Williams were all rated ahead of Caleb. So they traded up to take the fifth best tackle second. Given their track record, I should have raised everybody's eyebrows and folks should, uh, you know, want to scrutinize their picks a little bit more. So we did. 
The next morning, we, after hearing the general manager and coach talk glowingly about the prospects, we made a couple calls to our executives that told us to call any time when we have issues. So we did. Took time out from their own draft to let us give us some insight on if these two gentlemen, how they project into the NFL. Texted a couple scouts and got back information there too. So, you know, we found out about the locker room incident. In his freshman year, when they cut the music on Country Music Day, somebody had changed the music to R&B and he cut, cut the cord on it. And uh, the executive did not say he was racist. He said specifically that it might be some so socially awkward. Socially awkward was what he said. And so, you know, the firestorm ensued. Uh, uh, we interviewed both players that day. And then uh, uh, I go out in the hallway because I didn't want to ask him that at the podium in front of everybody. So I asked him about it out in the hallway one-on-one. -on -one. And the young fella decides that he didn't want to talk about that. So he didn't talk about it. Uh, then his teammates uh, started tweeting about it. The columnists got all involved. Uh, you know, folks uh, sending me mean emails and whatnot. Uh, you know, so hey, that's just my daddy taught me a long time ago to stand tall in the pocket, and that's what I'm going to do every single time. I don't have any problems finding out information and asking about it. And that's what we were doing here in this situation. So, uh, do you trust the Falcons to pick the best lineman at 14? That was the blog last week. At, uh, excuse me, that was the podcast 121st uh, episode. We don't have to rehash uh, their record, but uh, we can do that right now. And then uh, we're going to talk about uh, the, the interview that the young man gave uh, to the Seattle station. Just heard it on our way back from Athens uh, on the Dukes and Bell show. And I appreciate those guys, Carl Dukes and Michael Bell. You know, they try to give y'all both sides of everything. And uh, I was on there yesterday to tell you why. You know, we talked to the executive about these players. So uh, I heard that he said, hey, the, uh, he thought we were trying to call him a racist and it might have been in spite. Uh, actually, nobody called him a racist. He said he was socially awkward back then. Uh, might be an issue. No spite. Nobody called a racist. But when people start talking about racial issues, they get all bent out of shape. And then, you know, you got to ask about up and downside, especially when you got guys like Bosa out there uh, doing his thing. And a couple years ago, you got Larry Tunso, uh, you know, had a player get shot this year after his draft night. So, I mean, you know, it ain't like uh, everything's always roses out there in these streets. So, um, you know, it made sense to me to find out more about these players after the Falcons gave their glowing rendition of uh, who these guys were and how they were going to fit in, even though they weren't the top-ranked players at their positions. And, um, uh, you know, so, so we made some calls. Given the fact that, you know, the Falcons have not been very successful drafting linemen, at best in the last 10 years might have been Joe Holly. 
Uh, Sam Baker was good. Jake Matthews finally he went to the Pro Bowl last year. Taylor LeJuan's been to three already, so maybe they picked the wrong guy. But that was the instance where the locker room was a factor. They picked the guy with the better rep and not the guy with the crazy rep. And Taylor LeJuan, who had some issues coming out of Michigan. So, you know, the locker room's important, and uh, they always say it is. So that, that was another issue why, where we say, hey, we had a locker room issue. Let's ask about it. And we did, and uh, all um, everything else ensued. So uh, we got to put these guys under the mo- microscope and scope and look at everything. Put them under the microscope and wake up the poor drafting record. When you go two linemen in the first round, Give up your second and third round pick. Somebody's got to ask some questions. So we got, uh, you know, we have uh, reports on all these guys. And, uh, you know, and so people want to, you know, downplay the draft next up. But when we hear from scouts, that's a little bit more substance to it. But the Falcons don't make their scouts available. Uh, a lot of teams don't do that anymore, but scouts still give out information, and we were able to, to get some of the scouts' information into the bios and into that blog. But we got cons on both of them, and I want to read some from the NFL Draft Bible. Uh, Chris Lindstrom, first-round pick, 14th player overall pick, the biggest reach in the draft, according to Daniel De- Jeremiah of the NFL Network. Tends to dive at opposing linemen on run plays at times and will totally whiff on occasion, allowing the opponent with a clean path to the ball carrier. That sounds like that could be Ben Garland. Could stand to do a better job locating and executing second-level blocks faster and more efficient. Doesn't possess elite size and limited arm length. Creates some issues with allowing defenders to get caught up into his chest. Possesses average athleticism. And our our NFL executive told us that he caught defenders uh, and did not anchor well. Comparison, Tony Bergstrom, Washington Redskins, would fit a power run scheme perfectly with his experience and understanding of options play action. This is from Rick Santorello and our folks over at the NFL Draft Bible. Here's what they had to say about McGarry. You know, these are their guys. They're going to get them ready to play, and uh, they're going to try to start them, too. That's going to be, that's going to be very interesting. He has some work to do on terms of hand placement. This is McGarry, and his lower body doesn't appear to be in sync with his core, which leads to his upper body issues. His feet are somewhat slow. He's still a bit stiff in the hips, and he could do a better job with his pad level. In pass protection, his feet get too choppy, and his ability to anticipate rushers' moves is wanting. He will struggle to strike down a second-level defender, and he shows difficulty gauging space from the defender. McGarry suffers from AFib, a regular heartbeat. While he has been medically cleared to play football, it's still a situation that bears monitoring, and some teams will medically red flag him. Great comparison for him, Andrew Whitworth, St. Louis Rams, a prototype tackle. He's super long. He has devastating power, blocker. And he shows excellent athleticism for his size 
and room to grow into his frame. So there you have a complete picture of both of these guys. Uh, you know, things went sideways on the executive trying to d- raise the concern that, hey, this kid, you know, may be socially awkward. Of course, his teammates came out to his defense when he wouldn't address the, uh, the issue of cutting the cord on, uh, I don't even want to say uh, that it was called White Boy Wednesday. Uh, I'm just going to say it was Country Music Day. And somebody moved it to R&B, and uh, he cuts the cord. You know, that's something that uh, is going to be an issue moving forward. But, hey, we do have some audio from both of the young men from their first day in Atlanta. I don't know. Some people got mad at me saying I ruined his special day and all that. I mean, just to answer the question, we'd have been done with it. Hey, here is Chris Lindstrom. A whirlwind 24 hours just talk about it it's unreal i mean it was really a dream come true uh everyone everyone growing up playing football always dreams about playing the nfl and, and last night was really a culmination of my work and my family support and getting that phone call was was incredible and i'm just thankful to be an atlanta falcon and i can't wait to go to work tell me a little bit about your game for people obviously right. you played in the acc some people have seen boston college but tell us about what you can bring i'm just trying to be a, a tough dependable teammate and i'm trying to be accountable to my teammates and i'm coming in trying to work hard nose trying to finish and uh i'm really excited to be a part of this culture everyone that we talk to and the coach the coaches and everything is this is an amazing culture and i can't wait to be a part of it chris your our dad and uncle played in the league what uh what have they shared with you about their experiences of being nfl former nfl players mm-hmm. they've been great role models in my life they've been able to uh a lot has changed in football since when they played but a lot of the mental aspect hasn't and so just trying to get rid of distractions and really to work on football and trying to be a great player and and every day just keep working to get better and that's just that's a great thing that that i have in my life to have them to, to keep me on track really and, and to keep working he was six seven um you know uh so you 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 got a growth spurt coming or what yeah no, he's a little bit bigger than me but uh uh it, it, it's, it was pretty cool to have i have a great father and a great mother you feel like pass blocking or run blocking is your strength or do you, or do you feel like one is better than you are about the same uh, i have no really uh i guess uh strength towards it i'm just trying to work in my my whole game and however i fit in the system just trying to trying to whatever coach asks for me just to work on that and, and to be the best player that i can be have you ever met matt before have you ever talked to him uh he's come by bc a few times i uh, never never had like a long conversation with him but he's a great representative of what it means to be a bc man and they kind of talk about him at boston college and being able to work with him now i'm really excited how do you see you fitting in with the with the alignment here and uh you know, just trying to get acclimated to the team as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited to be a part of that room and, and get to know those guys. And then uh, accountability is a big thing. So just trying to be accountable to the room and to work every day. There he is, Chris Lindstrom, the Falcons' first-round pick, number 14th overall in the draft. Here is Caleb McGarry, the 31st overall pick in the first round of the NFL draft. Guys, anything else? Yeah, um, Caleb, what, um, what are some of the uh, uh, things you think you have to improve on to, um, you know, be a uh, starter in the National Football League? Uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty boring answer, but honestly, 
everything, man. You know, it's I'm a lineman. There's nothing is nothing's ever going to be perfect. Every every play, there's something to fix, and I just hope to fix any anything that comes up. You know, all I want to do is come in and contribute. That's my, that's that's my goal. Uh, and you, uh, where'd you come up with uh, you know my my life's a uh, country song uh, line? And uh, you know, how does it feel to know that you know that's in your you've overcome a lot to get here to the NFL? Uh, it's kind of a spur of the moment uh-huh. statement, really. Um, and it, it feels good, honestly. It's it's a feeling of triumph, almost, you know, if you will, to have finally made it to that long time, you know, arching, the high, high reaching goal that you've had, and to finally, you know, really not just have been within reach, but actually grasped it and, you know, been able to achieve it. It's a pretty cool feeling. Uh-huh. Do you all, um, you, you think you rebuy the farm, or do you have any financial goals that? You know, now you'll be able to take care of some things that, you know, weren't able to be taken care of in the past. I do definitely have some plans financially, but we'll, we'll have to see just exactly how they play. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. That was Caleb McGarry. Then right after that, he goes out in the hallway and I asked him, hey, uh, what about this incident where you cut the cord on the music in the locker room? Um he said, I don't want to talk about that. And, you know, at that point, I can't make him talk about it. Uh, that's not going to change what the scout said. Not going to pull it down. But uh, that's how it went down. So we were trying to give you uh, some perspective here in the 122nd episode. How the McGarry blog came to life. Got a rip job from a columnist out in Seattle. I'm not going to throw stones at the young feller there. He's trying to do his job and cater to his base. So good for him. But I just want to give you all my side here in the Bowtie Chronicles. And we did that. So with that, we're going to get out of here. The 122nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks for all the love out there on Twitter. Thanks to all the people in Seattle who sent the mean mails and emails. I responded to all of them. And uh, you all take care. We're going to be getting some OTA action here. Mini camps. Rookie mini camp May 10th through 11th. Veteran mini camp is in June. Should be hearing something on Julio's deal soon. You all take care and have a great rest of the week. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal Constitution presents Hip Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.